Well, what a wonderful time of year it is. We can come together and honor our Lord and remember our mothers. And what a beautiful time that is for us. And we're thankful for all of you mothers and all the work you've done and the way you have trained us and helped us to grow. And without your help, we wouldn't be where we are today. I have a cousin who lives in uh, Washington State, and he sent me this little glib. Two police officers responding to a domestic disturbance with shots fired arrived on the scene. After discovering the wife had shot her husband for walking across her freshly mopped floor, they called their sergeant on this phone. Hello, Sarge. Yes. It looks like we have a homicide here. Well, what happened? Well, a woman shot her husband who was walking across the floor she had just mopped. Well, have you placed her under arrest? No, sir. The floor is still wet. (laughs) (laughs) There was a teacher in third grade that uh, asked his students if they would uh, write just a brief card to their mother on Mother's Day. And Angie wrote, Dear Mother, I am going to make dinner for you on Mother's Day. It's going to be a surprise. I hope you like pizza and popcorn. And Robert wrote, uh, I got you a turtle for Mother's Day. I hope you like the turtle better than the snake I got you last year. And Diane wrote, I hope you like flowers. I got you on Mother's Day. I picked them myself when Mr. Smith wasn't watching. And Carol said, Dear Mother, here are two aspirins. Have a happy Mother's Day. Ah, what a great thing it is. Now, Mother's Day is not a biblical holiday. Uh, There was a lady by the name of Anna Jarvis who, in 1908, first started Mother's Day back in Grafton, West Virginia. In 1914, President Woodrow Wilson, though, said that the second Sunday in May would be for all time Mother's Day. And so today we continue to honor our mothers in a special way on that day. I think about my own mother. She passed away on June 8, 1995. If she was still alive today, she would have been 103. You know, I guess mothers usually have dreams for their kids. Some want their sons or daughters to grow up to be rich and famous. I can only remember the one thing that my mother ever told me that she wanted me to be. And she said, Dick, I hope when you grow up, you're going to be a preacher. Now, the funny thing is, we didn't even go to church, at least not regularly. But I guess she had planted those thoughts in my heart a long time ago. I had an aunt who uh, went to a church over at the Memorial Christian Church in Tulsa, and she invited my mother to come to church with her. And so my mother rounded up my sister and myself, and we started attending church over there. And then one Sunday, as we were getting ready to come to church, I noticed my mother had a towel in her hand. And I said, Mom, what's that towel for? She said, I'm going to be baptized today, and I'm taking a towel to dry off. Now, I want to tell you, if you want to be baptized, you don't have to bring a towel. We've got plenty, and everything's in readiness. If you'd like to be baptized today, or whenever you'd like to make that uh, commitment to your mother, to your Lord. My uh, mother then had a uh, neighbor who uh, attended ladies' Bible class over at the 10th and Rockford Church of Christ. And so my mother began going to the ladies' Bible class with her, and the uh, teacher was uh, Raymond Kelsey, who was a marvelous teacher. In fact, she uh, learned so much, she said, you know, we're going to start going to church over there. And so she placed membership over there, and so we 
began going to church there at the uh, 10th and Rockford Church of Christ. And that's kind of where it was that uh, I grew up. Yeah, I, uh, can I never imagine anybody ever coming to church unless they were invited by a friend or relative. And do you know that that's the way that most people come to church? And I'm so thankful that my neighbor invited my mother, and uh, as a result, we've had many years of serving the Lord together. My mother was a, a registered nurse, and uh, there's good and bad about that. The bad thing was that uh, in those days, they thought that a shot of penicillin would cure anything. So anytime I got sick, you know what I got? I got a shot of penicillin. Whereas other kids got pills, I got shots. But my mother was always good at helping people. And uh, next door to us, there was an a elderly man and woman, Ben and Margaret Baker, who lived. And uh, they didn't have any children. In fact, they didn't have much of a family. And uh, Ben died. And then uh, Margaret's sister, Lucille, moved in with her. And these two little old ladies lived over there for several years. And I am sure that they never one time ever cooked a meal. It seemed like every night my mother would say, Hey, Dick, will you take this over to Margaret and Lucille? And sure enough, I'd take it. And they knew that every night that they were going to get supper from my mother because she was always good. Lucille, though, had a very unusual habit, I thought. She didn't want anybody to know her age. I mean, she was just serious about that. And she got very sick, and my sister took her to, uh, took Margaret and Lucille to the hospital so that Margaret could be checked in. And so, as they were going through the check-in process, it came to the point that the uh, nurse checking them in said, uh, "And what is Lucille's age?" And her sister Margaret said to my sister, "You get back. I don't want anybody to hear this." So my sister had to walk down the hall, and said she looked back, and Margaret in her 80s, had climbed over the desk and was whispering into the ear of, of the nurse her sister's age. Well, her sister died, and would you believe in the obituary they printed her age in the paper. And when Margaret said, she said oh, Lucy would just turn over in the grave if she knew somebody knew how old she was. I don't know why she was that way, but, but she was. I'm going to tell you one of the things that my dad loved was to go fishing in Mexico for bass and he would load up and go to Mexico and stay six weeks uh, camped out and my mother would always go with him they had a little pop-up trailer and uh, there was no water no electricity no toilet but my mother the trooper that she was I mean she just hung in there and she stayed as long as my dad wanted to stay when she would go she would always take up all kinds of medicine and while my dad would be fishing, she would doctor all the kids around and all the old folks that needed something. And she'd always load up with clothes as they went. And when she left, she would leave all the clothes there for, for those people who were there. I've got some great memories from mothers, and I'm sure that, that you do too, and you could have shared that uh, if you would. Over in Second Corinthians chapter 5, when Paul wrote, though, I know that things are even better. He said this, for we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. So the good news is when your mother is a Christian and your friend is a Christian, to know that something's better for them even when they live this world.
I think that the greatest example of motherhood, and one that I want to share with you today in the Bible, is the story of Mary, the mother of Jesus. The story is just wonderful because God had a plan to bring His Son to the earth. Now, there are a lot of ways He could have done it, but God had a special way to do it. The great verse in John 3.16 said, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. But God had a lot of different ways He could have brought His Son. But for some reason, He chose to bring His Son by a teenage girl who lived in the little city of Nazareth. Now, she at this time was not married. She was a, a virgin. Girls in Jesus' day got married between the ages of 12 and 16. Life expectancy was not nearly as long as it is now, and so they got married very early in life. And so here's Mary, a young teenage girl, probably has pimples on her face, thinking that God is unaware even of her existence. And lo and behold, we find in Luke chapter 1 that the angel of God appears to her and says, Hail Mary, you are highly favored with the Lord. The Lord is with you. Now, you might imagine how she would react. How would you react if an angel showed up in your bedroom today and, and began talking to you? You probably would have been scared to death like she is. And the angel said, Do not be afraid. You have found favor with God. Now, Mary understood about life, although she was a young lady. Because the angel said to her, You're going to give birth to a son. And she said, Well, how can that be since I am a virgin? And the angel responded by saying to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the child that you bear will be called the Son of God. And Mary's precious words are this, I am the Lord's servant. May it be as you have said unto me. This young girl was so willing to bear the Son of God, and I guess God knew what was in her heart when He chose her to be the one through whom the Son of God would come. But I want to tell you that Joseph also was a brave man. Now his story is found over in Matthew chapter 1. How would you react if the uh, girl that you were engaged to and planning on getting married became pregnant? How would you react? Well, probably like Joseph did. Joseph loved Mary, but he thought, you know, uh, here she is. She's been out fooling around on me. And the angel appeared unto Joseph and said, Joseph, do not be afraid to have Mary as your wife, because what is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And you will call his name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And so the beautiful birth of Jesus Christ was that Mary gave birth to Jesus Christ so that she could raise Him and He could be the Savior for all who are upon the earth today. Well, number two, second thing I want you to know is we know very little about the raising of Jesus. In fact, we don't know anything about Him until He got 12 years old. Over in Luke chapter 2, verse 42, it says that when He got to be 12, that His mother took Him and Daddy took Him to Jerusalem for the Passover. Now that was also the time that he would go through what was called the Bar Mitzvah. And that was the time that a Jewish boy officially became a part of the Jewish nation. 
So here he is, a 12-year-old boy, now officially a part of the Jewish nation. And his mother and daddy got ready to go home, and as they did, they just figured he's playing around with the other kids. But they got to the end of the day when they camped out, and they couldn't find him. So the second day, they made that trip all the way back to Jerusalem to look for Jesus. And finally, on the third day, they found him. And here's what his mother said. Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. That's Luke chapter 2, verse 48. Now, here is Mary, and she is scolding the Son of God. Now, boys oftentimes need scolding. Sometimes they need more than scolding, and they need a little bit of discipline laid to them. Uh, unfortunately, I was one of those kind. And I think my mother's favorite thing to do was to switch my legs. And the bad thing, she'd tell me, you go out and pick up a switch. I'd come in with a little, not big enough, go get a bigger one. I'd go back again, not big enough. And finally, I got one big enough. And then, oh, those lashes on the legs. But you know, I needed those, I'm sure. Even as Jesus needed his mother here to scold him because of what he had done and not been where they wanted him to be and knew where he was so that they could bless him. Thirdly, though, we then find we don't know anything else about Jesus for 18 years. And Jesus now is 30 years old, and the story we find is in John chapter 2. Now, most Bible historians think that Joseph had died sometime during this period. And Jesus was then raised up by his mother. Now, over in John chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, we find the story of a Jewish wedding. Now, Jewish weddings were a lot more elaborate than the weddings that we have. Uh, they would begin with a feast. And then the father would take the daughter and march her all the way through town. And as they were marching, then people could congratulate her and tell her how happy they were that she was getting married. And they would then end up at the door of the groom's house. And the actual wedding would take place at the door of the groom's house. And then after they were married, then lo and behold, the celebration would begin. And Jesus' mother evidently was related to somebody whose wedding that they were attending. And Jesus and his disciples had been invited. And it was a wonderful time because Jesus liked to go to, to good celebrations. And while they were there... The uh, bad thing happened for the host and the hostess. That is, they ran out of wine. Now, that was considered to be something that was very, very bad taste if you would run out of wine. And uh, Barclay, in his commentary on John 2, said this, In ancient times, wine was usually mixed with water. That is, it was not just a bunch of drunks who were going to be hanging out there. But Jesus now is 30 years old, and Mary knows that the only one who possibly could help this situation was her son. You couldn't run down to the store and buy more wine. And so she said to Jesus, they are out of wine. There is no more wine. And I think what she was mourning was, for Jesus now to come out and let everybody know who he was. 
She knew he was the son of God. The angel had told her that, and she knew that her birth had been a virgin birth. And she knew that if anybody could do anything, it was Jesus. And she thought, what a great time for him to come out and let everybody know, I am the Messiah here with you. Jesus' response was this, Woman, why do you involve me? My hour has not yet come. Now, when he used that word woman, that's not the way we use it. The word woman here meant ma'am or madam. And it was a, a word of affection. It was the same word that Jesus used to talk to his mother while he was on the cross. When he said, woman, behold your son. And to John, John, behold your mother. And from that time on, he took her into his house and took care of her. But Jesus' mother knew exactly what was going to happen. And she looked at him after telling him that there was no more wine. And she said to the servant, do what it is he tells you to do. And Jesus says, gather up the water, fill him up with water. And then he turned the water into wine and made a hundred and eighty gallons of wine. And that was the first miracle that Jesus performed. I think about the fellow who was a highway patrolman that pulled over a man. And uh, when he did, he came up to the side of his car and looked in, and there was an open container there uh, in the uh, cup holder. And the policeman said, what's in the cup? The guy said, water. The policeman said, uh-huh, let me see it. He took it, put his finger in it. He said, that's not water, that's wine. I said, praise the Lord, he's done it again. <laughs> Here is Jesus turning the water into wine, and people then become believers and followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Ah, and then number four. Mary was with Jesus to the very end. When our Lord was on the cross, usually when a boy was or a man was on the cross, what they would do is they would curse their mother and father. And literally what they would be doing would be blaming them for the fact that they ended up here on the cross. But not so with Jesus. Jesus looks and He wants to care for His mother. Even though He is dying on the cross, His thoughts are not about Himself. But they're about that sweet woman who has raised Him and trained Him and helped Him fulfill what God wanted Him to do. He is still looking for and fulfilling the command of the Word of God, which was this, Honor your father and mother. And Jesus, even here as in His death, he is honoring His mother. What a wonderful woman she is. And if you had a wonderful mother, and she's still alive, you let her know today. Give her a call. Do something to let her know that you really do care about her and are so thankful for her. And moms... We today honor you and are thankful to you for the influence you've had on our life. We're going to sing a song of invitation this morning. And maybe there's a way we could be of encouragement to you. Maybe you'd like to come and say, you know, I'd like to be a part of this church. And if that's your desire, we would just welcome you into our family. Maybe you'd like to come and confess your faith and be baptized into Christ. Or if there's any other way we could serve you, I'll be at the front. Our elders will be at the back if we could help you in any way. If you'd like to come, why don't you do it right now? We just stand and sing our song of invitation together. Wonderful, merciful Savior, precious Redeemer and friend, who would have thought that a lamb could rest?
rescue the souls of men. Oh, you rescue the souls of men. Counselor, comforter, keeper, spirit we long to embrace. You offer hope when our hearts have hopelessly lost our way. Oh, we've hopelessly lost our way. You are the one that we praise. You are the one we adore. You give the healing and grace our hearts always hunger for. Oh, our hearts always hunger for. Almighty, infinite Father, faithfully loving our own. Here in our weakness you find us falling before your throne. Oh, we're falling before your throne. You are the one that we praise. You are the one we adore. Hearts always hunger for, oh, our hearts always hunger for.